Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I, I recently got into like one of my favorite television shows from when I was a kid, which... um. I like when I was a kid, I had a bed after this cartoon. I had my, you know, like you saw John Tavares's bed, you know, mine was, mine was this. And I'll explain to you what it is in a second. So it's on Hulu now. And that was the original speed racer. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say chilly Willie. No, the original speed racer, which was um, like one of the original animes of um, from Japan is yeah. absolutely. And now they put, they just put 60 episodes on Hulu. Very addictive song. Go speed racer. It's horrible though. Racer, but yeah. it's addictive. That part of it is really good, right? Like that's yeah. the hook of the song. That's the the rest of it, that's what I'm telling you. The yeah. rest of it, oddly, like it's translated from Japanese English and doesn't rhyme in the worst possible ways. Like it, it, it's setting up to rhyme. Yeah. And you know the word that should rhyme with, and then it just throws another word in there. Kind of here, you know what's funny about the speed racer thing? I, I literally just purged, and I've got a box full of like DVDs and and VHSs and stuff that we're getting rid of. And, you know, I've kept box sets and stuff, and I kept the Speed Racer box set. I would not let them go. Yeah, I wonder how many episodes there were made. Like, I, I'm, I'm not sure if there were 60, there were 60 made, but it is the funniest thing. Like, um, hey, Kevin. Racer X, yeah. I was a big Racer X yeah, we're fan. Live. We're live, so I'm just talking about, for a second, my- um, Just to my, be honest, I hated Speed Racer. I liked Racer X. Well, <laughs> Racer X, so I've gotten in watching Speed Racer on Hulu right now. Um, which is one of my favorite things as a kid. I had a speed racer bed, a speed racer comforter, um, and the whole nine yards. But Racer X, who is, you know, no, spoiler alert. <laughs> Can you spoil something that came out, a cartoon that came out in 90s? No, there's no spoiler alert. All right, so spoiler alert is um, Racer X is Speed Racer's brother. Right. And it's reminded of you in every episode. Like, right. this, like Racer X, who Speed Racer does not know, is, is his long-lost brother. Every every time he's, Racer X is mentioned, um, Trixie, who's his sister, well, I thought it was his sister, but actually is his girlfriend. I remembered it as his sister. It's, I remember the opposite, it's the opposite of Star Wars, you know, Princess I, Leia. I remember being into Trixie <laughs> as a kid. Like, you know, this came out in 1968, so I, that's what the year I was born. Wikipedia so. has it at 52 episodes, Act. They don't have 60. Okay, so 52, so that's all. I think that's how many episodes are on are on, are on Hulu now. And possi possibly the if you've ever seen the movie Speed Racer, oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. It is possibly the worst, like, reboot. But I you guys out there. My oh. challenge for everybody out there, if you have Hulu, is to watch a couple Speed Racer episodes, and you will just absolutely lose it on how hilarious it is <laughs> in retrospect. Like, you know, because there's a lot of anime fans. Like, my son, um, his, a lot of his friends are into anime big time. Mm -hmm. It's like a big thing for young kids to be into nowadays. Yeah, this was my first introduction into any kind of anime. Right. and But this is where anime all began. Like, this is the yeah. beginning of anime. And all the, all the weird things that you might love about anime now, like the ironic laughter at times that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That comes that comes from that comes from Speed Racer too. It's like Speed. If we crash this car, our, our family will be ruined, and we have we'll have uh, we won't be able to afford food forever. And, and everybody just goes ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> Strangest things. Like you wouldn't. It just doesn't make any sense. It's hilarious. Um, it's absolutely worth watching on Hulu, and you'll crack up. And I I mean, like I said, Trixie was all was everything for me. Like she was my first crush on t television. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Trixie was. Yeah. <laughs> 
it was probably four or five, you know, but I, that, you know, that's when you knew. I, I, parents knew they had a heterosexual. Okay. I, I so, think. I, go ahead. Go ahead. Peter. I was going to say anime. My first introduction to anime was the classic, and only had two seasons. Star Blazers. Oh my god! I, I was just about to. Wait, yeah, all right, so before, hold on, before you go into Star Blazers, I'm going to play a second of the theme song. Here we go. Oh, the Speed Racer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is well worth it. Notice how it doesn't rhyme and should. Uh, I don't remember the beginning part of it. Here it comes. No, it's only the Jets. Here comes, here comes the racer. He's a demon on wheels. Okay, shut it off, please. <laughs> before I before I projectile vomit. Okay, at that point, the car just crashes and everyone dies. Hang on, I'll get to the end here. That's the best part. The ghost no, racer go. That's the it's best. Not, it's, it sounds like the it sounds like the Jetsons theme. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you though, there and there is some weird stuff that goes on in this show. Like weird, like you know, especially in like in the Me Too movement. There's this. This is not a show that like right. fix with the Me Too movement at all. Poor Trixie is just None always today, but always like I'm not going to be saved by a girl kind of stuff going on everywhere. Really, oh man. But the racing stuff's actually good. Oh no! As a kid, I was so into it. Like, it, even though it was completely unrealistic and made no sense whatsoever, like yeah, you could change lanes. You know, no. right, what, the, 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 the one we were watching, the eighty-six cars started the race. Only two finished. Like eighty-four people were killed. No, but let's let, let's follow let's follow up on what Peter was talking about. Because star, star Star Blazers, I remember. Oh. I mean, first of all, it's like I was. You know, my dad was a history teacher. And I was into like you know World War II and watching documentaries and stuff like that, as well as watching cartoons. And Star Blazers, they took like the old Japanese battleship Yamato, Yamato. And raised, yeah, raised raised it up and built a spaceship out of it. It was it was fantastic. I yeah, was and the warp drive and the cannon in it, and they had yeah. to go to Gamelon, and then the sack to, because they were launching this raid on Earth, and Earth was going to be destroyed if they didn't stop the Gamelons. And then the second season, they had to do it. Dude, it was awesome. In fact, Sorry, back Kevin, when back Kevin, when Kevin, torrenting Kevin. was a new thing, that was the first thing I went to look for on torrents to see if I could find copies of that. And I found really? both seasons. I have them saved. I, can't, I couldn't believe it. I was like giddy. The funny thing was I tried watching it with my youngest son when he was younger. <laughs> I probably got into it when I was around nine. Yeah. Um, and he just, we started, but the story was a little slow at first. And it is, it is it's like a so it's like a sci-fi animated soap opera yes and it just the nuances in that are totally lost on today's generation <laughs> and i i love it i watched it he kind of gave up on it i was like reliving my childhood it was like a cartoon version of battlestar galactica before yeah. it, and battlestar galactica was on tv after it so i'm wondering whether it was yeah, sort of like I, inspired I by it Kevin, did you have any cartoons growing up as a kid that you were? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, you know, I was a little early uh, for Speed Racer, but uh, you know, Johnny Quest was big uh, yeah. when I was a kid, and uh, and everybody was kind of caught up. And then you know, Saturday morning cartoons, which now don't exist, were just like huge in the 1960s. Like, you know, there was nobody played any baseball, you know, between 8 a.m. and uh, <laughs> uh, noon on Saturday. Yeah, there's no way right? cartoons. 
Yes. And I, I still think to this day that that has hurt the DC universe. Like I think, I think Marvel has had a big re rebound. Uh, Marvel's obviously huge right now. And the DC stuff, I think, has never quite gained momentum because people of our generation see it as the Super Friends. Yeah, Super Friends killed it. Justice League before Super Friends was great. Yeah, Super but Friends killed it. Remember well, Super? I know. Remember the weird thing about Super Friends at the end? It would be like Batman teaching you how to floss. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like the monkey. I hated the monkey. Ugh. Well, uh, Wonder Twins. Come on, now this is all like really classic stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but one of the local stations, and and people in Toronto remember this because they had the Buffalo stations. One of the local stations in Buffalo, uh, Tom Joles, who was the who was the weatherman, came on the mornings on Saturday and did. He was Commander Tom, and they did the show Rocket Ship Seven. And they and they all they did was they 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 got all the old cartoons. So it was it was like three hours of Woody Woodpecker, Popeye, Chili Willy, yeah. Tom and Jerry. I mean these were kind of, these were from yeah, these were old ones, but they recycled them and they and they, yeah, they, know, did they probably, Channel Eleven in New York. There was like a Captain Joe McCarthy or something. He showed Popeye for three hours. Yeah. It definitely says something about your personality when you remember like I remember being frustrated. By the fact that Tom couldn't catch Jerry, and I remember being frustrated by the fact that the Roadrunner never died. I, these certain <laughs> completely. I was just wanted the Roadrunner to die. I did. I did. I just felt bad for the. I thought like the Coyote was putting in way, putting in more effort. Like he was like, I mean, the Coyote so, was putting in a lot of work to this thing. I mean, he was. Act was, was a big. He, how Ak much was, money was the Coyote spending at Acme? Come on, he was buying all this stuff. <laughs> he was and all the all the all the stupid Coyote did. Which and the Coyote is, by the way, we had this debate the other day in our family. Is by the way a girl. Um, not that, no, no, no. The what are you talking about? Roadrunner is a girl. The coyote is is. Yeah, the Roadrunner was. Yeah, a girl. Yes, yes. There's yeah. a lot of debate about that in our family. I don't know. Well, tw Tweety, Tweety Bird was a girl. Was a girl bird, and Sylvester was a boy. Was a boy cat. Yeah. All right, now we need to start the show. Let's start the show yeah. now. Yeah, because the chat room is going ballistic. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> just had to share that with you. All right, we've got. An, we will just go. Hello, hockey world. It's Tuesday, August 14th, 2018. I'm Woody. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Peter Tessier. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm Kevin Allen of USA Today Sports. And I am Eklund, although my kids tell me I laugh like Muttley. Um, no, you don't. No, you do, actually. I Now I agree with your kids. You actually do. I didn't think you did. There we go. And you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday all year long. It doesn't matter how hot it is outside. Um, and we're going to get into a lot of things today, a lot of little quick quick hit things. Um, we're going to talk about the Red Wings and Zetterberg and Larkin. And we're going to talk about the signing that just happened in Nashville with Ryan Ellis. Um, and I also have some, some news on the Humboldt team. Um, there's some really good stuff out there. So, But I first wanted to start off just really quickly with something that was brought up to me um, <laughs> last night. And I think it is fascinating to think about the fact that, you know, through all that's happened <laughs> this offseason, how many people out there have mentioned the fact that Tyler Sagan is is also an unrestricted free agent next year. Oh yeah, we've talked about we've it. We've talked about it, but it's like I mean, I, and I mean, obviously it's Dallas, but it's like not nearly to the point. And the interesting thing about the fact that he, you know, he's making five. He's only making a little over five right now, right? He's really underpaid. It's a very similar situation to Tavares. I mean, they're both number ninety-one for crying out loud. But besides that, um, you know, the interesting thing that comes into play when I was talking to somebody yesterday is that they said, well, you know, look at, and look at Dallas. They've been in, they were in, they talked to Tavares. They're in on Carlson. Um, Dallas, you would think would put priority on, on, on signing 
they can. So, but how can you when you have a brand new coach? Where if the new coach doesn't like them? But it's still it's Tyler Sagan. I mean, it's like you know, you know, if the coach doesn't if he doesn't work with the new coach though, like then they'll trade him. Well, like, if this was anywhere else, I mean, not anywhere else, but if this was in say twenty other NHL cities, this would be a way bigger story. I mean, this is a star player who is not like I mean, this is look at what Carlson obviously is a star player, but Sagan is you know he's not that. I mean, he's one of the top players as well in the NHL. I mean, he's a forward, granted, but um, but there's not even an, I haven't heard Kevin. Have you heard even any talk about renegotiating or? Well, I mean, I think your comment is fair, but I I, I think everybody sort of understands what the situation is down there, and I I think they will get him. But you know, when I say that, I thought they would resign Tavares as well. So hey, you know, um, yeah. you know, say again, they all understand the importance of it. He's thrived down there. He likes it down there. Yeah. If you follow him on social media. He's, he's really sort of caught up and and being you know the guy down there so you know you'd guess they'd re-sign him and I think it'll get done and um, you know everybody likes playing for uh, you know a Jim Nil team so oh, yeah. I know that. Um, so I think you know my guess is that it's gonna happen but I, I don't disagree with you I mean if it were any other place there'd be you know Dallas you know hockey is not king down in dallas and this time of year of course football is huge right so that's like right now football is big. well i mean it, that was the exponent too i yesterday i wrote the mbc um you know more diverse schedule story and you know as i was figuring out i looked at uh you know some of the teams that weren't doing as well you know a lot of teams did a lot better than they had in the past under the schedule but mm -hmm. new jersey and dallas and um, I decided just to let the fans sort of sort it out and make their own comments about it. But the one thing that I would say about, about Dallas that hurts them is, you know, they didn't make the playoffs last year. Um, but more importantly is, like, in that marketplace, it's it, they're not even big. Like, um, you know, they, they have work to do. Um, yeah. you know, we always talk all the time about, you know, Carolina and everything else. And, you know, they have a solid fan base, but it's not overwhelming. Right. I know a lot of their fans, and, and it's definitely a cult following. There was an update July twenty seventh that talks were ongoing. Yeah. yeah, and and if you, I mean, if you look at the situation, and you know, Russ and I and Kevin, you were there. We sort of got a feel of Dallas when we were there for the draft. Um, I, I, the thing is, is that I mean, you look at their salary structure. Spets is seven and a half million dollars drops off at the end of this year, so they're not going to be up against the cap in terms of being able to afford Sagan if Sagan is demanding, you know, over nine million dollars, which is probably what he's going to you know, nine, nine and a half, maybe ten, in the in the new NHL where Tavares is getting uh, is getting eleven million, so they can afford him. It's a no tax state, and he likes it there. So I think the, the some of the reasons why the, you know the chat is not so much is because everybody thinks he's going to resign there and i, I think that's realistic. fine to varis or carlson but he's yeah, not, i don't think he's the i don't think he's the player that Tavares is Maybe no but had they done had they had they committed that kind of money to either of those players then what you know like i mean they were after, they were the fact that they were after those players makes me think that they're not sure they can get him back like it, it makes you wonder about that. oh I, I disagree on that i disagree on that too i, yeah. I heck you know what it is at this time last summer the Islanders weren't negotiating with Tavares anymore. Yeah. Dallas is – they've had ongoing negotiations with Sagan. Jim Nils commented about it. I think that's a lot more That's a lot more my top three or three to five jams in the league. I think he's in yeah. standing, and it, I, I completely trust him. But it, it feels – it just felt – I mean, do so you think they could have they could have managed to have, you know, I mean, 
Ben's on a big contract. They could have gotten Tavares in on a big contract, and they could have, and they could, and they can get Sagan on a big contract as well. They could have three like ten million dollar players. Yeah, I do. I mean, look how far the cap is. Right. Is yeah, that, I mean, that, that city can it support it? I mean, I, I that's what I wonder. It's just, I mean, I think they do okay attendance wise. Like I said, I yeah, I, I think their attendance is fine too. So. Yeah, I don't I think, think I'll give them credit, and no, I'll give them lots of credit for lots of things. But this is a this is a long tail of a situation down there. This is a long, they're playing the long game and they have forever. I mean, and then, and, and since they came in, the, the first all-star game I covered was in Dallas. And, um, yeah, I covered that one. And, uh, yeah. And to me, I was, I was blown away by, and they took us to see the youth hockey program and all that stuff. And I was just blown away by the, by the youth. And that tells you that, you know, when those kids grow up, they're all going to be fans that this is a long, this is a long game. You know, this yeah. is a really, it's a really long game. And they are, they already have a player that, you know, in, um, Seth Jones, right. Who came out of that program. Yeah, Dallas is 15th in the league in attendance, 18,110 a game, 97.7% occupancy. That's good. No, yeah. that's really, that is really good. Okay, so, um, and yeah, I guess I Seth Jones came out of Colorado. But... Came out of Colorado. I thought you, okay. Yeah. Yes. Tyler, Tyler Myers Tyler was out of Texas, I believe. He was... I thought there was a defense. I thought it was, okay. Yep, you got it. Yeah, you're definitely right, Colorado, of course, and we knew that. Um, anyway, that was my little thought on that. But let's move hey, on Brian to Brian Leach was born in Texas, but you know, nobody cares because he grew up in Connecticut. Yes. Yeah, even Tyler Myers, I think, moved when he was like 10 to right. Calgary, 10 or 11, something like that. So we right. got an NHL yet, uh, Russ, out of the Texas system? Oh, no, there are. I mean, I know Max Gildon, who just got drafted, I believe, is from Texas. But no, there's been – I'm forgetting somebody really good. Hold on. I mean, we must have some good. I mean, you can only imagine that it's going to get better and better and better, right? So, it, it, you know, the coaching, the coaching has to improve first, and then everything goes from there. I mean, Seth um, Jones was born in was born in Texas. Was born in Texas, right? Okay. Yeah, when, but his I think it was when his dad was playing with the Mavericks. It was. There's somebody else though. A lot of guys were born in Texas. I thought he played. I thought he played youth hockey in Texas. I guess not. Um. So anyway, so moving on to um, moving on to Ryan Ellis. While well, there's two guys, Blake Coleman, Stefan Nason. Those okay. are the to, we haven't to, had, you know, obviously we have the Arizona, you know, we have the big guy out of Arizona, but yeah. we haven't yet had the big guy out of Texas then. Um, let's talk about Ryan Ellis because Ryan Ellis's contract just extended uh, just a couple, like a half hour before the show. Um, this is, you know, Ryan Ellis is a huge player. A lot of, a lot of people suspected, you know, what's Nashville going to do with Roman Yossi coming up. That's a huge issue because, you know, he's going to make more, he's two years away, right? He's, and he's going to make a lot more. After 2020, yeah. Yeah, after 2020, um, and you already have tons of money being put into PK Span. You're you're throwing a lot of money into, into the defense in Nashville. Um, this is this is the interesting thing about this contract. It's was it's um eight years, fifty million, right? So six point two five per. That's, that's a good number, you know, for a player who I you know has, has been good. And I know you know Laviolette loves him. I've always heard that Laviolette's a huge Ryan Ellis person. Um, and, uh, and, and Ryan Ellis was huge in their run two years ago, but last year missed most of the year for the, with an injury, of course, but then came back and still was very strong, great power play guy. Um, but Kevin, does this put them in a bind at all? Well, I, I actually have asked about this and, you know, the basic position I'm being told is, um, you know, the predators are a contending team right. and, um, it, it, Ellis's contract doesn't change anything for this year. Right. Um, so I think they're going to. They're basically going to delay any decisions about uh, what's going to happen until next uh, summer. So, you know, you won't see them, you know, reacting in any way to the fact of this new contract right. and the fact that they've got Yossi this year. But I think <clears throat> next summer they'll have some decisions to make um, because they're obviously going to pay him as well. They're paying Subban. 
Um, you know, they're they've got a lot of guys that they have to pay, and you know, they it could they could at some point may have to break up that defense. Maybe not. Maybe they'll uh, you know move somebody else, or uh, who knows what the growth will be. But their position now is we don't have to do anything, and they won't. Well, Peter, tell tell everybody what you were telling us before the show regarding his uh, contract stat or the uh, the no trade, no move. Well, there's the Bob and Kenzie revealed that there is a no trade, there is no no trade or no movement clause, okay. and it's a seven million signing bonus on July first. So you know it'll be interesting to see if other things come out. And I haven't looked at the contract; I've just seen the AAV. I don't know if there's um, lockout protection in it in any way, shape, or form. But obviously, seven million signing bonuses, some security. Um, you know, the thing about this is that you know we talk about the president are they in trouble. Now, let's not forget, and maybe someone mentioned already, but $7 million of Peke Rene comes off the end of the season, too. And that's going to be um, a big, big amount of freedom if they choose not to re-sign him and move in a different direction. And I believe, you know, depending on what happens this season and what they do in the playoffs, that'll be a big determining factor for Poyle. And he, it might be a decision that's really easy to make. Well, I don't know, because, again, what's going to clog up that decision is Dante Fabro, apparently Nashville tried to sign him this offseason. He didn't want to. He's going back to BU. <clears throat> he's in his third season at BU. He's a captain. He's very talented, all-around defenseman, but has really good offensive game. He, he's going to be looking next summer to sign as well, or if he goes into his senior year, then, then you're in trouble because then yeah. you know, at that point – you know, if he has a great year and he wants to be a top four guy somewhere, there may be nothing David Poyle can do. It's setting up another Jimmy V situation. But you know what? Look at the I mean, yes and no. Look at the assets Nashville has. Yeah, that's a so. Game. Like, look at him. Okay, you want to you want to move to a younger guy? We'll trade Eckholm. Right. Like, they can and, do that, yeah. but I guess it's, it depends if they want to. But but but, yeah. but, but Peter, also the, the guy. It's up to the guy though, Peter. Favreau holds the hammer in the sense that if he has certain things that he feels like he wants to be to be on that team right. and he feels like his yeah. position is blocked, it doesn't matter what they do. Then you get rid of Eckholm. Like, but, I mean, but, but, the, but the thing is, why, why would you get rid of Eckholm when Eckholm is the most affordable and probably the best bang for the buck of the four top defensemen? He's making $3.5 million. Yeah, because he's the easiest to get rid of. And, if you, and look at his age. So you carry on. You know, it, I'm not saying you should. I, 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 let's just be really clear here. I'm not saying, oh, Eckholm's the guy you trade because he's the odd man out. It's the decision-making process here that you go through to say, okay, look at these deals. You're going to make a choice between Yossi and Eckholm. Maybe you trade Yossi and you keep well, Eckholm because he's got longer term on there. But there are options for Poyle to get out of this. If, sure. he, if he wants to move one of those two guys, I'm not saying he should. And the, the the strategy and the long term decision is to get Fabro into play is to do this because this this unhinges the logjam. He can do it because of the way those contracts are. I mean, Poyle is a con. I I don't like the Johansson deal, the Johansson deal. I, I know I'm an anomaly in that. I don't like it. But the guy is a contract whisperer. What does he do that gets people to give up some of these things? Like. You know, is he hypnotizing them in the room? It's incredible. <laughs> well, I mean, Tennessee is a no-tax state. It's a great place to play. I mean, I've never been in Nashville, but I've from everything I've heard, it's a it's a phenomenal environment. I mean, people want to buy into that, and I don't I don't I don't blame 
Ellis for for extending their eight years. I'm a little surprised he did it with with no protection in terms of no trade or no move. But they actually have a window of two years because you know until Yossi becomes a UFA, they may keep the group that they have. And then the guy that might be the one to go to go it could be PK Subban because he's nine million bucks and. You know, he, he'll be, I think he'll be 30 at that point. And, you know, it'll only be two years and some teams would be willing to take, take a Subban for, for a two year, a shot at things. But I, I that's, but there's you know, a, I mean, you, you can't rule out that they may just keep all four of them. Yeah. That, sure. I, mean, that yeah I mean, that, that, that is a, an option that, you know, is definitely on the table. Like uh, they, they don't feel like they have to trade them. They might be able to figure it out. You don't know where the cap will be, yeah. you know, then as well. But I, you know the uh, the idea of having four defensemen you pay a lot of money to, and then just having a five and a six and a seven um, yeah. that are just kind of extra parts, veteran guys. Yeah. Um, I other, think that's very. I was so. going to say, Kevin, it's a that, and that's a completely valid point. Considering the age those guys are in, you can run another four years with yeah. those guys, maybe longer. Um, and, and st as long as you have something else coming in. They could just as easily find what Fabro wants to call another team and trade him. Is he a right yeah. shot D? Yeah. Because if he is, you should call the Leafs. Like, I mean, well, here's the thing: Fabro's agent definitely told him to say something this offseason because from the Tennessean, when he was asked about his, you know, basically using his right as a college player to pursue free agency, he said, "I honestly don't think it'll come to that, but a lot of things can happen." Yeah. And I, I think you're right on about how he's a great asset to, to move. Like, you know, if we're yeah. at the trade deadline and you're trying to win the cup and you need one player, um, and depending on who it is or whatever, like, you know, he's a great chip. Or if you're trying to make a big deal for some, you know, long-term fit on your team, um, you could do that because, you know, you know, your defense is strong. Like that's a, Terrific. And, you know, Poyle has done a great job of filling those five and six and seven spots. I mean, they always have veteran guys, and they're always, you know, well, they, 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 they get a fair I chance. Say Jeff Kielty has really stocked that pond every year, man. He's he's one of the best. And, and, yeah. and you're right, you're right, uh, Peter. Uh, Fabro is a right-hand shot, so uh, Kyle Dubas on speed dial. Um, one, one thing, though, yeah. about, about, about this deal that I immediately thought about when it came to, you know, the ramifications throughout the league you know, we've we've seen over the last month and a half, you know, Ekman Larson and Doughty and McDonough and Yarmelson, um, all these guys who were 2019 UFAs just fall off the radar. Now your top four defensemen for next year's free agent class are Eric Carlson, who's not re-signed yet, Jake Gardner, Tyler Myers, and Jay Bomeister. And I, from the Toronto perspective, if Jake Gardner puts up another 50 points, which I think is likely with the offense that they're, they're going to have, the Leafs are not going to be able to afford to sign Jake Gardner. He's going to probably ask for anywhere between six and a half to seven million dollars AAV on a long-term deal. And if they're signing Marner and Matthews, they simply will not be able to afford Jake Gardner on a new deal. So I, I, I disagree with that premise only because it may come down to Kyle Dubas going to you know Mike Babcock and saying, if it comes down to Jake Gardner or William Nylander, what do you need more? And he might say he needs Jake Gardner more, regardless of you know any of his deficiencies. He's still an offensive defenseman, and that defense isn't spectacular. They may have to keep him. Back, uh, Ross, I, I, so I can get back for a second onto me. But here you go. You know, how about this? So you got the 
um, yeah, thing. But you have um, you have the fashionable fifty, and uh, I'm you know you're seeing PK everywhere right yeah. now. I mean, I don't know if you noticed this. I mean, obviously he's he's dating the lovely Lindsey Vaughn, right? Uh -huh. But um, he is everywhere. I mean, I I can't remember a hockey player in the off season who for for a long time now, you know, who's I mean, this is way more than you. Yeah, but what is that? What does that have to do with? I mean, yeah, it's it's good. It's good. No, it's just good for the NHL. It doesn't have to do with anything. But I think I don't, I don't know. If I, I don't think it's good or bad for the NHL. It's good for PK. It's 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 attracting attention. Oh, it's good for the NHL. Oh I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know how you could say that's not good for the well, NHL. Well, I, I got. It. I guess I'm saying this kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is this this is absolutely something that they love. To, they love the fact that this goes on. Um, no, but. I, but I, but, but I but I, I, do, I do think that you know just to, to finish the point with 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 Russ is that the, is that I, I honestly with, with with Toronto it's going to probably be is Timothy Lilligren ready to step in the NHL and if they think he's ready next year then they probably either let Gardner go or they trade him at the deadline I, I just don't think they're going to do the same mistake that they did last year with not trading James Van Riemsdyk at the deadline so that'll be something that we'll watch all year. I, I just, I, I'd be willing to bet right here on the air. If the Maple Leafs are in contention, they are yeah. not trading Jay Gardner. I, I I don't care about James Van Reems and what happened. That 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 doesn't happen. Yeah. Historically, nope. naming a contending team that traded away um, their number one offensive defenseman. <laughs> uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, just give me one. That's all I'm asking. It's insane. I mean, it's St. Louis that, Blues or Kevin Shattenkirk. I'm willing to bet right now, Mike. I'll bet any whatever you want to bet. <laughs> okay, well, I'll pay for dinner the next time. Okay. There, there's no way. That's, there's no way. That's the bet. Okay. That's the bet. They're not trading Jay Gardner. No, there's no way. I mean, you definitely lose him. You you get the cap space at the end of the year that he gives you, and that's then you and you and you go for a run. You make it. You make a run for it. They, you they were they to bet with with Mike Kev because you know X. Never pays off. But. That's not. <laughs> yeah, Akis owed me a like ten thousand cookies, and he's never. <laughs> that's pathetic. It's not true at all. You know. <laughs> all right. So yeah, no, I agree, and that's the long debate. We don't have to get into it again. But I'm with you, Kevin, 100 percent on that, and I've argued that point before. And I think they did the right thing in keeping James Jam Reemsdyke too. I didn't think no, they should have traded him. It's just stupid. They were a good team. They had a chance. Anyway, we're good down this road. We're not going to win the Stanley Cup. So let's stop that. Too many times down this road. Um, let's talk about the Red Wings because a couple things happened in the last week or so. Um, and first of all, the Larkin signing, which is which I thought was a really a solid number for one of my favorite young players. Um, well, this is the question I have for Kevin. It's like we were taught we did our little game a couple weeks ago where we were guessing, you know, what Larkin was going to get and how long of a term. And everybody, I think everybody on the panel said seven or eight years. And I think when when we were talking about Larkin with you the last time, we thought it was going to be, you know, a lengthy deal. And he only got five. And there's a no trade clause at the end of the five years. That's reminiscent of Stamkos and of Tavares and of Kane and Taves outside out of their ELC. And it doesn't connote this the the security that I would have thought that either Larkin or the Wings would have wanted on a, on an extension. I think this has everything to do with the fact that Larkin knows that he has the potential um, to be the leader and the key guy on this team, and you know he'll want a big you know contract um, yeah. you know uh, at the end of this. And I think he's confident he's going to get that. You know, don't forget he's a native Detroiter. Yeah. Um, this is his city. Uh, most everyone is predicting he'll be the captain of this team. And I think this gives him just kind of an option of hitting another, you know, home run contract um, as well. And, you know, the Red Wings get five years, which is enough for them to know 
um, if he's going to be, you know, in the same category as a, you know, as an Eichel uh, in Buffalo or, you know, or even Matthews. I, this is what I would say about Larkin. Like, I think he's as important to Detroit as Matthews is in Toronto and Eichel is in Buffalo. Now, is he that talented? Uh, you know, he may be just a little short of, uh, of, of Eichel in terms of ability, but he's a very skilled player, and he has some intangibles that I think put him even better. He's a very natural uh, leader. People like him. They respond to him. You know, there's a charity game going on here in Detroit um, uh, for the Jim Johansson Foundation and for a scholarship fund for his kid. And it's really on the strength of uh, Dylan Larkin's personality that this has come together. You know, when Larkin calls people and asks them to play, they, they respond to that. You know, he's very, very likable. So I think this is a win-win for both player and team. I think the Red Wings are happy to have the five years, and now they can watch him grow. And if they got to pay more at the end of it, I think they're fine with that um, to keep him around. And I think for Larkin, he's going to get enough money. You know, he'll still be a rich man, and he's got the option. If it turns out he is a, you know, a superstar, a, a guy that contends for the scoring title to hit, you know, maybe get a double-digit uh you know, contract at the at the end of it. I, I think to to me the most interesting story in Detroit right now is is Zetterberg though. Uh, you know, the Zetterberg situation is really fascinating to me. Here's the issue that I think is at the heart of this: is that Zetterberg has played now all the games, but I was told three years ago um, by a Swedish writer who knew Zetterberg well and knew, you know, the, the particulars, that Zetterberg's back is so bad that he could easily get any doctor to say, you shouldn't be playing. Uh, another player, uh, uh, an ex-Red Wing, uh, told me that Zetterberg's back is worse than Cronwell's knee. Wow. And, and that Cronwell basically wow. is playing on one knee. Really? So. The thought was is, is that, and Zetterberg now has this contract, of course, that is getting to the part where, you know, uh, is it is it one million this year or no? Is it no, it's I just I just looked million. it up three point three five for this year, then one million the next two after that. Yeah. So there had been thought, you know, even three years ago, that when he gets down to these numbers, that it's just not going to be worth it to him financially um, to kind of stay on. But the key is, from the revenue's perspective, is that thought that any doctor who looks at his x-rays. Now, the other element to this that hasn't been talked about too much is by the end of last year, um, he wasn't practicing at all. In the second half of the season, he did wow. no practices. He only played the games. So it was getting worse. He did play all the games. Um, and now we're hearing um, that he's had a bad offseason that things haven't gone well. He hasn't been able to train like he has in the past. So when you factor all that in, it almost sounds to me as the Red Wings are trying to tell everybody they feel he's not coming back. And now, Zetterberg might not. Question, Kevin. Is this is this contract uh, one of those deals that cap recapture? Uh, is is it considered the, you know like the Luongo deal, like the other deals, like Shea Weber's deal? Because if I looked at the uh, the breakdown here, it was mostly in the seven seven and a half to seven point seven five million dollar range for the first 
uh, nine years of the of the twelve year deal, and then it dives down. So I don't know whether, like, if he, I mean, is it going to be one of these deals where he gets traded like Pavel Datsuk and and he's on LTIR, or can they just let him retire, or you know, what? what is well, there- I think they're going to try to. You know, I don't know how this all works either because I haven't even looked at it yet. But I think they're going to try to put him on the. Uh, I don't think he will retire. Okay. I think going to say that. Uh, um, you know, he'll look again at the end of the season or whatever. Um, and then they'll put him on, um, long-term IR is what I think. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, I think we're going to talk about him. Um, and maybe we won't because the Red Wings aren't the, you know, the kind of contending team, but I think we'll be talking about him. Like if this was going on in, uh, you know, with the Tampa Bay lightning or the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, or the, Pittsburgh Penguins, there'd be a lot of no, more notice to, you know, what's happening here because everyone, you know, people are going to want to see the medical records on this. But, and just, and, and just yeah. think of this, just, 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 just think of this, Zach. If that, if that does happen, he goes on LTIR this year and for the, for the balance of the three years remaining, for the next two years, they have $10 million in players in Zetterberg and, and Johan Franzen that are on LTIR. That's, I think, probably more than any team in the league yeah i would say it has to be right i mean it's, it's got to be pretty close i mean that, that's an amazing that's it really is an amazing it, rem, it reminds it reminds me a little bit of, of you know forsberg towards the end of his career you know where they're just in so much pain but still playing somehow you know like i, I think forsberg played a couple years probably like zetterberg just played you know where it's just completely worse though with forsberg in the sense that he would pop in and out of the lineup so much just when the team got used to him playing he would he would be out on injury, then they would be like waiting for him to return, almost like stalling the the offense, and then he would never return. And it really affected the team. At least Zetterberg has not done that, so I think it's a little. I mean, it, you know, and, but if he says like you like you, I, I think the best thing would be Kevin for him to come out and say, "Yeah, I'm just basically taking this year to get better." Yeah. Well, what's what is interesting is um, like everybody thinks this is be great for the Red Wings because they're already in a youth movement and everything else, but. You know, Zetterberg is a very important player in that room. And, you know, Larkin's development certainly uh, was aided by the presence of Zetterberg. Um, And, um, you know, it it would change the dynamic there, you know, to be sure. Like, you know, I said this too, fans were upset that uh, they they signed uh, Vanek and kept Green around. Well, you know, when they bring up uh, Heronic from uh, Grand Rapids and put him as a point man, do you want him to try to figure out by himself? Or do you <laughs> want a guy like Green there right. to kind of show him, right. you know, how to be a power play point man for the next couple of years? And the same thing on Vanek. You know, Vanek is a, uh, uh, a very likable guy, and he's, yeah. he's been referred to as, as kind of another assistant coach. Well, you know, they're bringing in Zadina. Uh, who is a you know great hands guy? What isn't it better to have a guy like Vanek around that can kind of sure. you know, hear that? So, and the same thing on Zetterberg. Like as much as fans, I think think well that'll be great. We we'll, you know we won't have his cap hit if he can deed, but put on the on the IR. And I I'm assuming he can, but I really don't I have an answer to that. Um, then um, I think there you know there, there will be some loss here for all these young players. I think it is a benefit to like Zetterberg. Zetterberg's a great captain and yeah. he's a great presence. He you know he doesn't like uh, uh, losing. He takes it all very seriously. And the amount of work he's had to put in to stay you know in the lineup is incredible. So 
Um, I, I, you know, I think the Red Wings, Ken Holland said that he wanted him back. And I think he was actually being sincere because yeah. I think he likes these young players, but you know, you can't just throw a bunch of young players in and say, okay, grow up. Right. No. Right. You know, it doesn't yeah. work that way. So the weird, thing, the weird thing about the Red Wings is, is they haven't really gone over the cap, but they really don't have any cap space either. No, they got, that's the, that's the thing that irritates fans that, you know, with this latest uh, signing, like, like, like they're, they have nothing left. Like, right, right. you know, they can't make any moves. Can't and so, yeah, but, but, but it clears up a lot after this year. I mean, you, you, I mean, if, if what we're talking about does happen, you could see a complete changeover in the sense that, you know, players that have been on the scene for the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, Cronvall's contract is up. Jimmy Howard's contract is up and Zetterberg, if he doesn't play, you know, he, 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 he falls off the scene and we know Franzen hasn't played for years. So, you know, that group moved away and then it's the Dylan Larkin, a Tennessee Mantha group that is, is in a leadership role. Yeah, it definitely takes it from there. Um, all right. So this, this I thought was kind of interesting. Kind of I'll mute you, Kevin, for a sec while the phone's ringing. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so this is um, the Egyptian your logo for the Egyptian national hockey team. Ready for this? I thought this was good. Okay. All right, here we go. This is the. I think, huh. I think this is pretty awesome. Okay, this is like one of the one of my one. I love when you know this is the Egypt ice hockey. Wow. Which, first of all, is the fact that there is an ice hockey team in Egypt at all is. Well, my, I mean, United Arab Emirates has a team. I mean, yeah. I heard Ramsey's three is a heck of a goalie. <laughs> there you have what, it. What's the, what's the team? What's the team name? The Alexandria King Tuts. I just like. It. I like it. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so this is the like, next thing was the Humboldt. So there was, this is kind of interesting. So I saw this and I just thought it, you know, obviously the Humboldt experience, just such a big deal last year, such a horrible experience for everybody um, involved. And, and at the same time, you know, there was a lot of, uh, so much love throughout the league and, and going, I mean, not just in the NHL league, but just everywhere, every, everywhere it was hockey, you know, anywhere you went to a youth game, you went to a college game, you saw this, any, any hockey at all. You know, this was something that we just kept going and going and going. And this was kind of so. This is what was posted, and I, I'm going to read it to you. I'll show you it. So um, hopefully, you can. See it, I'm going to post. This was what posted outside the board, outside the. I guess it was the team entrance, the player entrance. So I'll read it to you since it's too small to read. It says, "Another year on the ice for the fallen Broncos." Um, as you look over the boards this year, you'll see ten numbers painted onto onto our ice. Each each is the number, jersey number of a victim of the of the humble bus tragedy. We're not, we are not um, put, putting these numbers there for the fans or for, for the hockey parents. We put them there for the 10 guys who suddenly lost their lives on, on the way to a playoff game. And as a simple reminder, the rest of us, that we will never really know when our last shift will be. Um, play hard every shift, and that's from Humboldt Strong. So I thought that was really well done. Oh, I like it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I like it too. You know, and it's just, it's a nice, it's a really classy thing and how they went about, you know, just doing it and, and saying this is for the, just, just for these kids, you know, the, for these players and uh, keeping them kind of keeping them on the ice. It's kind of, it's got a cool symbolism to it overall. Um, Kevin, I, I'm sorry if anybody wants to comment on that. Good, Mikey. Um, that's all. No, I, I, I want to. I, I didn't want to move on until somebody, if anybody wanted to say yeah, anything. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it's great, you know, and I think I, I'm just, I just think Humboldt's. I mean, our hearts still go out to them, and every and and they're handling it really, really well. Yeah, 
Um, Kevin, I know that you wrote and you mentioned earlier about the uh, the new uh, Wednesday night schedule for NBC, and I I, I, I sort of found it humorous because I looked at the schedule and and obviously, you know, they're going to focus on U.S. markets, but with Tavares now in Toronto and Matthews there, um, they Toronto was on twice on NBCSN and the outdoor game in uh, in Annapolis. So they were on uh, TV uh, nationally in the U.S. three times. I looked, they've increased it to four. So, uh, you know, for, for and I'm, I'm not, you know, they, they, you know, Winnipeg is on there and they weren't on at all last year. And they're one of the more exciting teams in the league. But Five times. One more than the Leafs. Really? They were on five times, really? Well, wow. that's what happens when you make the conference finals, Mike. You actually get some exposure I'm, and people realize that, you know, they're a fun team to watch. I'm talking strictly regular season because playoffs, does, you know, play everything was no, on. But that's why, because they made the conference finals. Everyone got a good look right. at them. Yeah, they played. They played three U.S. teams: Minnesota, yeah. Nashville, and then Vegas. Right. People got a look at them. They want to see more. Yeah. yeah, and and the Leafs were on against Boston. But I'm saying in the regular season, they only they, there was one game in Buffalo, and there was another game. I think it was the Rangers, and that was it. And then the, then the outdoor game. And I'm just saying, it's like I still think the focus there is on. Chicago, Boston, New York, yeah, Philadelphia. People are complaining about it. There's no question. Well, yeah, but I mean, I and I've had this uh, discussion with some of my readers. Like, what did you think was going to happen if they right. wanted to be diverse? That they were right. suddenly going to reverse it? Right. Um, you know, I was talking to the Predators about this, and they they were one of the big beneficiaries. Uh, you know, they're going to be on more, but uh, but you know, Minnesota will be on more than them. Minnesota is also increasing, and then you know, their wonder is. Uh, um, or, or at least some of the the fans, and you know, how could they be on uh, fewer times? Think well, because as much as is there, this was a concerted effort to try to bring more uh, diverse collection of teams into the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't gonna they were gonna turn it upside down. Like the Washington Capitals are still on Wednesday night on eight times, and the Panthers right. seven times. Right. I mean, you know, it's still they're still gonna put the major markets on, but. You know, as as the predators said to me, they looked at it pretty pretty well. The group of teams that were excluded is now greatly reduced. Um, like you know, now it's. I thought the teams that really had a legitimate beef were the Devils with Taylor Hall, you know, who yeah. had no no love whatsoever, and of course the Dallas Stars. And you know, it's funny we had just talked about the Dallas Stars before about yeah. you know their issue is, um, you know, they've got some stars and they're fun to watch, but. You know they're in Dallas, where their you know their television numbers aren't aren't all that strong. So you know, I mean, NBC still has to pay homage to the bigger markets. That's never you know the problem is too, Kev, with the Dallas Stars. And I've talked to Marty Turco about this a few times, and and he really disliked that time zone factor with, with yeah. Dallas. And it is hard to sort of match it up. Like if if you are going to match up a Dallas game for the East Coast to watch, what time are you having the fans show up there for the game? Right? I mean, it's going to be well. You know, a weird time. Yeah, well, it's never going to be perfect, but it is. I think it's better. It's a better deal um, than it was. Can uh, I, really, can I throw? Can I be the mic in this in this discussion for a second? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to throw this out there. And into my conspiracy theory about this whole thing, I think this is this is about selling center ice selling center ice package because and I, I this was the first thing I thought of when I saw it. Okay, you have you know, because. Certain games definitely they do they they get you know bigger ratings you know like like Pittsburgh Philly always gets huge ratings no matter what you know um, the Rangers Islanders that'll that'll do well 
um, Chicago, Detroit, these games will do well, um, no matter where, where they are. Right. Um, but when those games are always on when the big game, like when you look at what you're buying the center ice package for, when every big game is on NBC sports network, um, you're buying so the center ice package becomes something that you're buying just for, you know, for if, if, if you're like a transplant, you're trying to follow your team from someplace else. Right. right. Um, but you know, but I, I mean, there have been times, you know, to make, to make this, like if, if the, if the penguins are playing, say the penguins are playing the capitals and they're not, and they're not on nationally. Um, suddenly that's a game that people are like, Oh, it's on the center ice package. Maybe I'm going to buy the center ice package now because of a couple games on there that I see that I really want to watch. That yeah, you- but I don't think they left the counter programming to be that good for the other thing because NBC would complain because they're paying the most money. Yeah. They really are. I this this the genesis of this was simply mm-hmm. uh, and this was talked about the league was um, how well the Winnipegs and the Vegases did in playoff. And you know, they, they you know they know the game uh, at NBC. They they get it that the Winnipeg Jets are on the verge of becoming just a great team. Yeah. Um, and they know the Maple Leafs now are you know instantly among the Stanley Cup favorites, um, you know, they see the, even the Arizona Coyotes are getting better. And, uh, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights, um, you know, I even wrote this in my story. Um, it was the highest, the final was the highest, uh, uh, the game five, I think was the, I forget now, second or third highest rated game ever, wow. um, you know, something like that um, uh, for, for network. I mean, they, they did really well. The average was almost five million people, you know, watched, uh, um, you know, the Stanley Cup final, and they just feel like they've got to just kind of show some of these markets that, uh, that ironically, uh, people complain about. You know, like what? how many times did we hear about? I'm tired of seeing the Vegas pregame show. I, I, I still, I want to repeat what I've said on that yeah. consistently. I never understood that because. You know, I, I you know, let's and I use the example of the Detroit Tigers. I watch them play. I know they don't start till seven ten as first pitch. Right. And I, I don't turn it on till seven ten. Like right. I don't I don't I don't watch the pregame. I don't need to know it. I know enough about the team. Right. So I don't understand why people just don't tune in at eight twenty four. If you know at the start of each series in my house, we actually watched the beginning of a Vegas series because we knew there was gonna be a little show involved. Like yeah. I, I, I thought yeah. it was cool. It was great. It was like, you know, my wife's like, oh, man, what time are they going to do the priest? What time are they going to do the pregame show? What I, what I also think might be at work here from the NHL perspective is with the new with the CBA expiring in 2022, they and, and I think the NBC deal expires the same year. There, there's an opportunity here with the expa- like the expanding and teams like Winnipeg and Toronto, as you're saying, Kevin, for them to get like the NBA and get another television package – like MB, the NBA's got ABC and ESPN, but they also have TNT. So what's to say that you know there's not an opening here for ESPN uh, to come in and and get a Sunday night or Monday night NHL game of the week, and that's additional income that the NHL can can uh, generate. And they have teams more than just the Pittsburghs and the Washingtons and the New York Rangers that that. Uh, that stations in the U.S. will be willing to put on their airwaves. Yeah, nothing. I mean, and I think, I mean, but I do think, but what about the center ice package again? I mean, this is something that they don't care about. 
Well, they've never really hit it hard. Aren't you always amazed at how yeah. uh, they don't really advertise that much? Uh, sure, they, they really don't. They uh, I don't. I've never understood that, to be honest. I think. I think the reason they don't advertise it is because they are a little bit embarrassed about how it, the thing plays out. Because when you get to the playoffs, it becomes a real, almost a non-factor. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a complete non-factor because every game, like in the states, every in the in the Canada, every game is on Sportsnet, three hundred and sixty, whatever the different stations. And in the U.S., it's on CNBC, MSNBC, or whatever. You know, it's all the NBCs and uh, and the, the golf channel. The, the blackout stuff is they, they, they get hounded by. You know. Well, but no, they, yeah, but that's true in all the other ones, and yet they advertise the heck out of those. You know, you, no, you're right. You're right. They off they they offer a free a free week or a free couple weeks at the beginning of the season and in the in the middle of the year because I'm I've been a Center Ice subscriber for for years because uh, I don't get all the all the Maple Leaf games uh, that and I you know but the thing I the, the pet peeve that I have is the fact that if you're paying what you're paying. You should be able to watch the game on the broadcast that you want to watch. And if you're watching it on Direct TV or on Game Center Live, you can watch the Winnipeg broadcast or the Toronto broadcast. On Center Ice, if you're on a cable cable subscription like I am and they have Spectrum, they only have a certain amount of channels. So you'll more than likely, when it's Toronto, Toronto, Nashville, get the Nashville broadcast instead of the Toronto broadcast. Okay, the only thing that, bug, that bugs me about it is – the games on the NHL network, you know, they get completely blacked out. And yes. so like you can't watch it on a mobile device or something else. And and that's that's a little limiting. But other than that, I think it's great. Yeah, I mean I think that they've done a lot. I mean, the technology's caught up and, and saved the NHL from itself on a couple of things, like you know, obviously even the owners like James Dolan who were were withholding uh HD when they switched over for the MLB BAM didn't do that anymore. So I was thankful for that. I know. I love when you can only watch a game in SD nowadays. Oh. You see that? That's just the most. That, crazy that thing was a, that was the case for a while. I know. Still, it's still it still it's is. Last year there were a couple times when that was the case. It still it still is. They only have t only have eight channels that are high def, and the other three or four are SD. So I can watch. I go into the list by the way because it's no. I mean, it's no different for them to make. And there used to be a tech. It's just a. It's just a small money thing that they're trying to save money on. It's right? like watching a watching a hockey game through the bottom of a Coke bottle. I know. I, I mean, but we all but we all grew up on that. You know, we all watched that way forever. You know, it wasn't that bad. I remember I watching. Back to, you know, holding the antenna, trying to bring in. <laughs> Channel Nine, Canada to watch Hockey Night in Canada. So that was me with Channel Nine out of New York, and that was that was I, that was trying to get the Rangers out of New York on Channel Nine, and uh, just like I I did that with TV and with radio, uh, uh, yeah. Kevin. I to try to listen to St. Louis Cardinals games on KMOX in St. Louis, and on a summer night, I was the human antenna sticking out my hand. Yeah. It's one of my <laughs> fondest memories is trying to watch a the movie Pork Chop Hill out of a Canadian <laughs> station and standing up. You know, two feet in front of the TV, holding the antenna. We're totally spoiled. Yeah. And and we have to sort of remember that. But you know what? Unfortunately, your new audience has never had that experience and you have to cater to it. And, and that's probably the big the biggest problem with it. I think one of the pro one of the problems, and Kevin, you may have some insight in this and Eki too, is the NHL is still figuring out how to manage digital rights they've got an idea 
but they maybe don't have the right partners or they haven't found the right solution where they can go all in in a certain direction. I know one of the criticisms has been they part is the partnership with MLB doesn't quite deliver what they thought it would be. And that's, a, that's an issue, but I mean, you know, if you buy game center online, you should be able to watch with relatively small delay, the game yes. you want. That's really what the standard should be. And I don't know if they found the right partner or the right solution or what they're trying to do with game center. Cause there's a lot of other data that comes with that game. And if you actually need it and that might make some stats guys go bonkers cause they're scraping all the data, but could you maybe make that a second tier service? So that if you want no, the data, let's, no, don't give many ideas. Please. And, and, and just to illustrate that point, Peter, I just to illustrate that point. I was at the air Canada center at live watching a leaf game and said, okay, let's go on to game center live and see how far behind the play is. It was a minute and a half in game yeah. time. That's, I like that. And I've never been in the press box. I do that on purpose because I can, I can know it's a minute and a half behind. So I have it on and that way I can sit there and if something happens. But but if you're watching at home, act that's inexcusable. In this day and age in Twitter where everybody's like live tweeting the, everything that's happening. Yes. You know, I agree. Technologically, I, it should be, it should be live. It should be as close to being maybe a second or two delay because there's no reason for it to be that far behind it. I think it's all it is is that that MLV BAM is is not putting right. the money into the technology, and that's that's inexcusable. Right. And one thing before we go, I mean, I just I, I think that also the um my my I've always predicted this, Peter, and I've said this before that the way this is heading is the NHL would love to not have NBC or anybody else. And yeah. they they would love. I mean, they're working towards just covering themselves, right? The, the, if they could, if they could just broadcast themselves, and if they were getting enough markets and cut out all the television rights, that they could make enough money. Um, I think I'm surprised that you know the NFL Network hasn't done this yet, or somebody else. You know that that this is heading towards. I mean, they're obviously getting these huge huge money still from the CBSs yeah. and the MB and the Foxes of the world. But the goal here has to be to cut out the middleman, like to just be able to do your own thing. And you know, I got to do guy who worked in, in a middleman industry and then got out of it. I understand the desire to do that, but the, the NHL or any league has to make a decision on, can you maximize the distribution to get the same revenue? Someone else can, can distribute it for as well as they do right now. Are you going to be able to do what NBC or anyone else does as well as they do it? You can do it better. Because when you when you cut when you cut them out, you cut everything out. Yes. And that's the danger. So now there are who are your announcers? Around. Yeah. Right? right. Who are your analysts? Who are all those things you get in the broadcast deal? But we've already you done that. Them now you control them. You've got to set up studios. You've got to set up all the remote stuff. You got to own the trucks, lease them. It's not easy. Yeah. Brian Gumble was a big hit on NFL Network doing NFL games, believe me. <laughs> but I mean, the print media is already, they're already covering themselves in the print media, right? So, I mean, the, right. that's the easy one. The tendon is, you know, if, if everybody has internet coming into their house and you don't need to pick it up off of an antenna anymore, that's when things change. But, but what you're talking about right. for the NFL and stuff like that, but for the NHL, you're talking about, you still need cable anyway, so you're not looking at games. Aren't most games aren't on NBC that you can pick up over over the air? Yeah, right. 
But, uh, but it's a hundred this year, so that's a big upgrade. Yeah, but the thing is, is you need you don't need them. <laughs> you, you may not need them to actually get the product in your home, but you need them to do the production of the product. Yes, I agree. There's there's definitely and and if the here's here's a really interesting thing about business, and we've watched it time and time again. Technology is this great sort of great aspect to, to the world that we think is easily understood and used, but what technology without a strategy is bad. It is it, not, if we build it, they will come. So if, if a league or someone thinks we can do what NBC does or CBS or Fox or whatever, and they think they can go and be as good as they are, you're going to, you're going to take a lot of lumps and you better make sure your numbers are very tight because there's more failed companies that were sports business companies like the NHL that tried to be technology companies instead. That's a big leap and it's an expensive one. And if they thought they could do it well with SAP, we all know what a disaster that's been. (laughs) Russ Russ has got to finish the show with X addict here. I'm going to do a quickie X addict. It's a, I have a 1951-52 Parkhurst rookie of Edgar LaProd. He was a, um, let's see, wow. I, that, that way, can you see it now? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, he was a, a 1946 Calder winner, which, you know, again, he told me back then, it's funny also on the back, no stats, totally blank. Totally blank, uh, just, a, just a front of a card? Yeah, just the front. Uh, they used to give you a tray. A, a silver tray when you won the Calder back in the 40s. And that, <laughs> and so, like, but he said, yeah, a silver tray. But he said he enjoyed getting a silver tray more than he thinks that the newer guys, you know, getting the actual Calder. Because you just got I, I think you just got a replica of the trophy. He said the silver tray was more versatile. Like, he could do more things with it. Well, now every time you're serving deviled eggs, you'd be like, you know, I'm serving deviled eggs on my Calder trophy tray. Right. And so, so I found that kind of interesting. The other thing is, he also was a lady Bing winger, Bing winner, and I guess the Rangers have only had like two guys that have ever won the uh, the Calder and the Lady Bing in their careers. So that was something interesting. But the card itself, this looks like the pictures from their old practice rink, which used to have horrible ice. And and so like it's funny with the, with these pictures back then, what shows up? You know, there's a little bit of colorization, right? But then like the face. Is like totally black and white. Like it's just, but these are classic cards. Like the Parkies, like these are a big deal in the uh, in the collecting world. And the fact that he was already five years into his career before he got a rookie card is a whole other situation. <laughs> I have an older one, even though it's not hockey. It's a Mark Mark Koenig uh, nineteen thirty two big league chew card. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah, that's nice. This, this is this is the first of all. It's not in mint condition, as you can see the nice rounded edges and the and the fade. Yeah. Uh, but this was the year that I believe Koenig was on the Chicago Cubs bench when they played the Yankees in the, in the 32 World Series. And he, the, the reported called shot was actually Babe Ruth pointing into the dugout, telling him to shut the you-know-what up. Yeah, shut the F up. Yeah. It's true. And um, But I I'll, one day I'll bring on – I have like a T207. It's like a hundred-something-year-old baseball card. But I wanted to show up the hockey one because – like. Cool. Yeah, it's it's really like those Parker's cards are, are fun, but it is weird that back then you had to really be established for them to make a card of you. It didn't matter if you were a rookie. Where now rookie cards are all the all the rage. Back then, ah, they were like, ah, we could wait on you. Yeah, guys have rookie cards before they've even played, right? Like they. Yeah, I mean now now that's commonplace. Yep. 
that's really cool. All right, well, thanks everybody for joining us. Thank you, Kevin, so much. Um, and thanks to Peter and everybody for joining us today on this uh, on this summer day. Remember, you can follow um, everybody on Twitter. Um, it's at by Kevin Allen, at Mike and Buffalo, at Tessier. Nope. At, Teddy. 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 Sorry. At 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 um at Sportsology for Russ. Um, and uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. Have a good day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.